You are live with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here in studio. Today I've got uh, my guest co-host Graham Williams uh, joining me as well. We've got a really cool program uh, this uh, morning for you. We're going to be talking about uh, the future of artificial intelligence, everything from garbage sorting to uh, questionnaires to help uh, companies hire people. We'll also be chatting uh, to the open media folks about uh, Bell wanting to crack down on piracy, making it uh, even more illegal so that they can get more people signing up for their TV uh, service. And uh, we're going to be talking about robotic vacuum cleaners. Do you need one? I think you do. Let's uh, stay tuned for that and see if you agree with me or not. Graham, let's talk about some of the uh, tech news uh, this week. Uh, Kind of an interesting thing from Facebook to start off here. In India, starting October 1st, uh, they're going to help uh, people uh, with donating blood. It's uh, the National Blood Donor Day in India, and uh, Facebook will start prompting users to sign up as blood donors. They'll actually see these prompts right in their timelines. I think this is actually a great idea. I mean, we've seen this in the past with things, uh, you know, in a more analog fashion, getting people to sign up for blood donation and organ donation, but getting a reminder right on your phone, especially when it's a time-limited thing like a blood drive, it's a great way for, uh, for Facebook to sort of help out a very worthwhile cause. Amazon... Uh We know them from uh, Amazon.com.ca, huge e-commerce giant. Uh, They also make a lot of uh, tech products as well. Some new releases, Graham. Yeah, so it's all about 4K for Amazon right now. They've got a couple of new things. Uh, They've got the 4K Amazon Fire TV. So Apple just announced the new uh, Apple TV. And uh, so this is actually, the Apple TV has 4K. It does Dolby Vision HDR and HDR10. The new Amazon Fire TV is missing Dolby Vision, but it does have the new Dolby Atmos surround system that puts speakers above you or puts sound above you. So we're kind of a bit of a trade-off right now. You can kind of choose Atmos uh, and uh, HDR10 uh, with uh, the Fire TV, or you can choose uh, both the HDR formats, but no Dolby Atmos on the Apple TV. There's no perfect scenario here right now, which is a, which is a bit disappointing. Are we seeing a lot of these Fire TVs up in Canada, though? Not a lot, no. Uh, I mean, it's a bit of a challenge because Amazon obviously does cater more to the U.S. audience, but with Amazon Prime Video coming to Canada now, you can use a Fire TV and get more out of the experience than you used to be able to when you had to VPN and into the States to make that work properly. Is that the big, uh, the big thing then, the Fire TV? Uh, the, big, the big thing, the Fire TV, I think, is uh, it's a relaunch because we've been told that it had been discontinued. There are also a number of new Echo speakers, and so they're really going after uh, Apple's HomePod and the Google Home with an inexpensive uh, $99 offering uh, that is going to be a small speaker that will uh, basically sit in your in your space. Uh, they have a, a more robust model as well that has more uh, has a b- deeper base module, and then they have a tiny little uh, Amazon Dot replacement that has a screen on it. Uh, so this is uh, sort of the the new version of the the previous model that had the screen in it. Which incidentally, that older model no longer plays YouTube. It's kind of a weird place to be where you can update the the firmware on something and get less functionality. Bit disappointing there. The Echo Spot, did you see that? Yeah, that's the small round one with the screen. So that's, that's like, your... It looks like a little bed, bed uh, night table alarm clock. Yeah, it's, it's kind of a charming little thing. Comes in black and white and has a, a screen that is connected to your Amazon account. It also connects to things like weather and the time. So yeah, it, it is designed to connect you to Alexa in a more convenient way. Uh, the, uh, there's also some uh, new cameras uh, from uh, our... Uh, GoPro friends. Our friends at GoPro, yeah. So again, all about 4K. They've got the new 4K GoPro Hero 6, which does uh, 4K video at 60 frames per second. Uh, it's coming out at 499 US, which 
the, the action camera market right now is very saturated. So if you're looking for the GoPro experience with all of the accessories and the capability of connecting with your other GoPro cameras, that's a great, uh, a great model to have. But there are quite a few action cameras that are giving them a run for their money in the price department. So I think the 499, 499 Hero 6 is going to be a premium product for people who are in the GoPro ecosphere and want to stay there. They've been uh, kind of the darling uh, or, or the innovators of uh, that whole action camera segment. But do you think we really have hit that saturation point? Like there are lots of competition out there now. You can get kind of similar specs to that cheaper. Uh, you know, how many people need action cameras? That's really my question right now. I agree with you. It's uh, I'm looking at the action camera market and thinking I've got a GoPro Hero 4 and I haven't felt the need to upgrade to the 5 or to the 6. And when you do take a look at the market now, if you're getting in there, you can look at the 499 Hero 6, but you can also find less expensive cameras for as low as 149. It's it's, it's a tough sell. Have you heard of the Jacquard? I have. (laughs) This is Google and Levi's smart jacket. Fashion technology. Uh, so if I can explain this properly, it looks like a, uh, a fashionable denim uh, jean jacket, but it's got uh, conductive threads uh, woven into one of the sleeves, uh, and you can actually control your smartphone and, and headset uh, by just touching the sleeve. It's like a, a built-in touchpad on it. Yeah, it's kind of a cool idea. I mean, the price on this thing is the thing that's kind of got me flinching a little bit. You know, a decent denim jacket right now, if you go to buy one, it's kind of between the $100, $150 range. This thing's coming out at, what, $399 US? Yeah, which is a lot Canadian. That's going to be over $500 uh, Canadian. That's a lot of money to get that kind of control, which, I mean, depending on the type of ecosystem you're in and the products you have, you get a lot of the same functionality with like an Apple Watch, AirPods, and an iPhone, which admittedly costs more than $500 Canadian, but uh, it's something that I'm likely to have anyway. So I'm kind of looking at this and saying it's a very neat product, but looking at uh, their placement in the market, I think it really is more of a, a cutting edge, bleeding edge sort of thing. One other thing about it, you can only wash it 10 times. Really? Yes. 10 times washing. Yeah. Again, <laughs> yes. I mean, I guess uh, the, the washing wears down the conductive thread. So uh, 10 times and then it's done. You know, that's th- just strange. a normal jacket. I, I don't know that I've ever actually washed a denim jacket. That's sort of. It's a, true, right? Yeah. I, I haven't had a denim jacket in a long time. I remember in uh, grade school when I did, because I was trying to be cool. You're right. That thing was never washed. Yeah. Yeah. Like hmm. I was like pig pen. <laughs> We have so much to talk about on Get Connected uh, here today. Uh, We're going to be chatting with the open media folks about uh, Bell trying to crack down on piracy. There will also be uh, a segment on robot vacuum cleaners. These things are super cool. So you want to stay tuned for that uh, as well. And the future of artificial intelligence right after this break. Stay tuned. You are back with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here in studio today. Want to talk artificial intelligence. Uh, We're hearing that more and more. On the line, we've uh, got our friend Eric Emin Wood from... IT World Canada, he edits the uh, IT business uh, side of that. Uh, thank you for joining us, first of all. Thank you for having me, Mike. So I wanted to talk about uh, artificial uh, intelligence. Uh, you've had a chance recently uh, to uh, go to an event, uh, the Next AI Venture Day, put on by Next AI. Uh, tell us mm-hmm. what you saw there. You, some pretty interesting stuff. It was very interesting. Uh, thanks, Mike. So Next AI, just for listeners who may not know, is a a venture capital arm of an organization called Next Canada, which has been designed to help startups across the country accelerate their um, accelerate their efforts and bring their services to business. Next AI specifically focuses on artificial intelligence, 
but the idea is to help businesses of all stripes. So at Next AI Venture Day, we saw 15 startups present to venture capitalists and to experts in the field, and they crossed numerous sectors in uh, what they were doing. So for the story I wrote for IT World Canada, I focused on a company that helps fintechs. I focused on a company that helps marketers. I focused on another company that helps human resources operators. The day also had two awards. Both award winners were focused on the environment, but they helped the environment through waste disposal and through distribution. And how has artificial intelligence helped that? That is an excellent question. So it does depend specifically uh, on the company, and some it's easier to tell than others. So for the fintech piece, which was very obvious, it's a company called SortSpoke, and it has created an algorithm that can scan documents. And so the intent of SortSpoke is to replace a lot of the people who are currently paid to do data entry instead of having people read the documents, find the most important materials, and write them up. This algorithm scans the documents, loads them into a uh, program. The program automatically highlights the most important parts, and then it's sent to your remaining data entry experts who look over it to make sure it accessed the right information. But the way artificial intelligence uh, works with this is the company first feeds it the types of documents it uh, needs to scan, and after scanning them for about a day, the algorithm is able to apply its expertise to any document you throw into it. Still need humans down the line, though, eh? You do still need humans down the line, and that was a that was a common thread here. So, the human resources company, which was called um, Cultura, is designed based on a University of Toronto uh, Rotman School author's book, which has not come out yet. Uh, but the author's name is and. I might be getting this wrong, Andres Tilchik, and he's going to be releasing a book early next year called Meltdown, uh, written with author Chris Clearfield, and it's subtitled Why Our Systems Fail and What We Can Do About It. And so a central thesis is that employees don't quit companies because they um, they hate the job or they can't... Uh, like they hate uh, the tasks they're given or they can't do it, they quit it because of a company's culture. So, of course, we've seen this quite a bit in the tech industry, uh, most recently exemplified by what's gone on at Uber and the Google uh, tech memo arguing that women aren't suited for tech. So what Cultura does is they've developed an algorithm where you send employees questionnaires, uh, let's say eight to ten questions, and the answers are all yes or no, and the employee says whether they agree or disagree with a given question that's been sent. So the sample questions we were given were, uh, one, it's important to avoid negative comments about the decisions and work of other team members. Uh, the second one was my judgments and decision-making ability is excellent in emergency situations. So the negative comments question uh, lets the, depending on the employee's answer, the algorithm identifies whether an employee is open to giving and receiving negative feedback. 
and then in my judgment and decision-making ability is excellent in emergency situations, that tells the algorithm how confident an employee is. So there is still a human hand in developing this analysis. It's just the um, the algorithms make it easier to process all this information, especially like culture is designed for large enterprises and small businesses alike. If your company has only 30 people, then you could probably pull off what it's doing without needing the artificial intelligence. But if you're working for a company with 15,000 employees, you need that sort of uh, number crunching or you're going to, you won't be able to get anything useful out of it. Those are pretty simple questions. I think I could game the system there. <laughs> <laughs> they were, unfortunately, they were only willing to give me the simplest questions because they said the rest is, uh, would be trade secrets. <laughs> no, I, I, can, I can understand that. Um, you talked about garbage sorting as well. So these were, uh, I gave them their own separate articles, the two winners. Uh, there was a People's Choice winner, and then there was a top venture award given on Next AI Venture Day, and these are both uh, wonderful companies worth spotlighting. Um, Intuitive Inc. was the one that won the top venture award, and that is the garbage disposal company I mentioned. So with these two founders, uh, their names are Hassan Murad and Vivek Vise, and if you ever want them on your show, they'd be wonderful guests, uh, have designed a smart bin with a single opening, and whatever you throw into it, the inside there is a an automated system that sorts it either into recycling, organic, or trash. Okay, thank God. Thank say, God. Yes, Finally. And they say that it's yep, and they say that it is ninety nine percent accurate. Now, when I heard this and I think when a lot of other people heard it, we thought, Well that's that's great already because a lot of money is spent on sorting trash. People will often put trash into uh, recycled materials, which ruins the recycling. It costs extra money to transport, and here they are solving that for you. But they've added an extra incentive to it. The, they've developed an algorithm that will scan um, exactly what's being thrown in and collected as information. So what they're doing is selling to companies as, let's say, you are the owner of a Starbucks, and someone throws out a Starbucks cup in an area that doesn't have a Starbucks. If you see enough Starbucks cups in that area, you might start thinking, we should probably have a Starbucks here. There is a demand for it because people are drinking our coffee in this area, even though there isn't one nearby. Interesting. Very interesting. I could see so many applications for this technology. Like, have you ever been to a food fair and you've got to sort your garbage out? Like your your tray after, I I have no idea what all those symbols mean. Like I'm sure I'm messing the system up dramatically there. You are not alone, and they and they had uh, some interesting statistics on that. Uh, people are not very smart when it comes to throwing out their own waste. About um, so about seventy three percent of waste produced by Canadians is sent to landfills, even though seventy five percent of it is recyclable. And worldwide, it's even worse. They said only about uh, 2%. Uh, it's exactly 1% is composted, 1% is recycled of waste. And so they're hoping this can be the beginning of a new, uh, of, a, of a shift change. And they are already talking to the City of Toronto, Vancouver International Airport, and Simon Fraser University about bringing the bins to these places. 
Very exciting. I'm afraid we're out of time. Uh, that was uh, some interesting. I didn't get to tell you about the startup producing food waste. Okay, quickly. We'll have to introduce your listener to it. Qu- quickly, you got one minute. <laughs> Uh, the People's Choice winner was called Deepnify, and what they do is use algorithms to keep track of a grocery store's produce sales and then use that to predict the number of people who will buy a certain product before it goes on the shelves. So the idea is that currently grocery stores have to throw away about 20% of the produce they order. This way, they will be able to predict uh Given the time of year and the number of people who are coming to shop, uh, this is how many you need to order. And since many stores have data going back years, the algorithm can crunch that and use it to predict uh, sales for the next uh, few years, hopefully reducing food waste and lowering the price of produce along the way. That is fascinating. Uh, you know, funny story. My my son Andrew is actually uh, uh, while he's going to school works at uh, a grocery store out here uh, called. Uh, Fresh Street, uh, and he works in the mm-hmm. produce department. He says, yeah, it's difficult trying to figure out the orders uh, for all, all the produce. So this would definitely oh, help uh, not only him, but yeah. all grocery stores. And just like uh, just like our people at Intuitive, uh, Deepnify has already signed deals with two massive Canadian grocers. We're not allowed to name them for reasons I don't understand, but you have heard of them. And uh, we, I look forward to seeing it applied sooner than later. It'll It'll be fascinating to see. Talking with Eric Emin Woods from IT World Canada. Always a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you very much, Mike. Pleasure to be here. When we come back from the break, more tech to talk. Stay tuned here on Get Connected. You are back with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here in studio. We still have lots to talk about, including robot vacuum cleaners. You'll want to stay tuned for that. And of course, Christina with her app of the week. I want to talk now about uh, media and uh, content. And this is a quote from uh, Rob Malcolmson. Uh, he's Bell's Senior Vice President of Regulatory Affairs, uh, and he said this to federal politicians last week. People are actually leaving the regulated TV system, not just because they want to watch Netflix, but because they want to watch free content. And further suggesting uh, a federal agency like the CRTC should create a blacklist of sites. On the line, uh, we've uh, got uh, our friend uh, from Open Media. Her name is Marie Aspiazu. Thanks for joining us, Marie. Hi, thank you for having me. So uh, I just uh, I want our listeners to, to know about this and, and what the implications uh, are. Uh, Bell, obviously one of the big uh, media and telecom internet companies here in Canada. They're suggesting that uh, we should have the government actually crack down on pirated websites, and, and to further that, uh, actually blacklist them all so that we can't even access them. Uh, what are the dangers in, inherent with that? Um, well, first of all, it, it, it's it's an atrocious proposal. We've never seen an ISP take on uh, copyright responsibilities before, and uh, it's it's going to be ineffective in tackling piracy. And more than anything, it's going to result in a in a chill on free expression in Canada because people will be afraid of what they do and say online uh, due to fear of criminal uh, repercussions for copyright infringement. How big of a problem is it? Um, it's a, it's it's a bit, uh, it's a pretty big problem because uh, once you put a, an agency in charge of uh, deciding what we can can't see online, you're inevitably going going to go down a slippery slope. Where at first you're blocking uh, sites that are 
uh, clearly pirated. And there's millions of those that Canadians visit on a daily basis. So this is going to be a big, costly task. Uh, but eventually, uh, we will see the agency in charge of creating this blacklist of just blocking sites that they don't see fit. Obviously, uh, Bell uh, is putting this out there because, uh, I guess in their mind, they think if the government can help crack down on all these piracy sites, more people will go back to television and, and their revenues will increase. Am I, am I kind of on the right track there? Absolutely, absolutely. As we all know, Bell is not only a service provider, but they're also a content provider. They own content. So as much as they're masking it as a, as a means to tackle privacy in Canada... They, there's definitely a strong conflict of interest behind that, right? Which is to prioritize their own content over others. Like you said, there are like millions of websites out there where you can download pirated content. That would be a a, a huge task, and to your point, costly as well. Uh, I'm wondering if Bell thinks that uh, it would be upon the government to do so, or uh, would the internet service providers provide them with these lists? Sorry, if, uh, who's going to pay for it? Is that your question? Yeah, yeah. Honestly, uh, I haven't seen Bell, Bell's submission yet, so um, I don't know the specifics. Uh, but whoever, whoever that uh, cost uh, ends up, and it, it's, it's definitely not going to be beneficial. And I wouldn't be surprised if it ended up being taxpayers in one way or another. Yeah, it's so just... So that, that is a possibility as well, right? Yeah, I, I'm, you know, I've seen... It. I've seen this in other jurisdictions. I know over in the UK, and I don't t- know to what extent, but um, yes. a lot of the ISPs block a lot of these uh, these torrent sites or, or pirate sites. That's right. And how effective right. has that been? Uh, it, honestly, as long as the internet exists, <laughs> uh, people are always going to find ways to access the content that they want, especially when you're making it incredibly expensive, expensive to access that content, which is the case with Bell. Um, so if anything, uh, as people are increasingly blocked from websites, they're just going to get more creative, you know, and circumvent these, um, blocking systems. Yeah, I guess, you know, we, we've seen this, uh, back in the early days of, uh, you know, digital music downloads with the Napsters, uh, of mm-hmm. the world. Uh, these, uh, these apps or programs that allowed you to download, uh, free, you know, copyrighted, uh, music, but, you know, they eventually killed Napster, but there were you know, hundreds of new uh, programs that popped up that would let you do the same thing, essentially. Exactly. It's like the Pirate Bay. How many times have we seen the Pirate Bay go down? And then every time that it go, go, goes down, we see five new sites uh, resurface under a different domain, just to provide an example. How, how likely do you think that uh, Bell will get their, their wish? I know there's a lot of negotiations going on, uh, you know, even with NAFTA, and I, I believe copyright protection is one of those, uh, those things. Yeah. Uh, do you think the government's going to cave? Honestly, I would really hope not, but it's hard to tell at this point because, as you may well know, the NAFTA negotiations have mostly been taking place behind closed doors. So it's, it's tricky to tell where the Canadian government stands right now. And also, um, given that the U.S. and Mexico want to wrap up the deal before the end of the year, that could like um, put some extra pressure on the Canadian government to cave in. Um, and and this proposal could just like you know go through without much thought. But at this point, it's um, it's hard to tell. And, and as I said, we also haven't seen uh, Bell's proposal and the specifics. So um, yeah, I, I think it, it'll be easier to tell once we ha- once that document becomes uh, publicly available. Marie, where can people find out more about open media? 
people can visit openmedia.org. Very cool. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. Have a good day. You too. When we come back from the break, we're going to talk with the folks at uh, iRobot, makers of robotic vacuum cleaners and mops. You want to stay tuned for this. Back soon. You are back with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here in studio today. Still lots of tech to talk, including Christina's app of the week coming up uh, shortly. But on the line right now, I want to talk about robots, especially ones that do all my work for me. On the line, we've got my friend Ken Bezadola from iRobot. Thanks for joining us today. You're welcome. Good to be here. So I uh, I have had a chance to actually try out one of your latest uh, Roomba vacuum cleaners. I believe it's the 980 model, and I have to say I think I'm in love. This is the coolest thing that I have tried out this year so far. Uh, I hate vacuuming, and this this little robot does it all for me, and it actually works very well. It actually gets all the dirt and junk and all my pet hair that uh, has accumulated uh, on my floor. That's great to hear because that's typically what we hear from from new consumers of Roomba, uh, not just the 980, but our whole line of Roomba robots. I have to be honest; I've I've kind of been reluctant, uh, you know, in the past to uh, really get on board with these robot vacuum cleaners. Uh, you know, years ago, I mean, they were okay, uh, but they weren't as great as uh, you know my regular vacuum cleaner. Uh, these new ones are fantastic. Uh, before we get into the robot uh, vacuum cleaners more, tell us about iRobot and the history. Sure. Uh, the history is that Roomba's been around for about 15 years, and we've now shipped more than 20 million robots worldwide. So we've got a lot of experience in home robotics. Um, so we've got lots of robots fielded, and we really understand the home environment. So I think we'll touch on the robot functionality in a few minutes. But the other thing that we understand even better is cleaning and floor care. So we spent a lot of time not just developing robots, but developing unique cleaning technologies that you see in both Roomba and later on we'll talk about Brava. I I know sometimes, you know, I've talked to people about, uh, you know, the robot vacuum cleaners, and I think a lot of people think they're kind of almost like toys, but uh, you guys have done a really good job with the actual mechanics inside to to actually vacuum. Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny you say it's it's like a toy because that that is a perception, but if you think of the home environment, it's pretty challenging for, for a robot. It's climbing over things and getting around things. And so it really does have to be engineered. And our experience from doing all kinds of robots, even doing defense robots, and um, some of the early work that we did with um, space exploration and things like that, really taught us how to handle uh, difficult environments. Let's talk about the uh, the Roomba line of, uh, of vacuums. Uh, I've I've been trying out the uh, the 980, and I, it, you know, I'm pretty impressed with how much you know dirt and 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 hair it picks up, but it's amazing, like the the navigation features. Uh, Tell the listeners how it's all working. Sure. Yeah, our navigation is called iADAPT 2.0. And what the robot does is it's able to build a map of the environment as it cleans. And the sole purpose of that is for the robot to make sure it gets everywhere it can uh, around the floor of your home. So the robot keeps, keeps moving around and building that map and looking for new areas to clean. And it keeps track of where it's cleaned and where it has yet to clean. And what it does is if it, if it needs to recharge, it will go back to the home base, charge up, and then continue on the job until it's done. What I found impressive as well uh, is how agile. So these, uh, these Roombas, they they're look like uh, giant hockey pucks, <laughs> essentially. Um, but I was really impressed with how it handled furniture. Uh, it could go under the couches, not get stuck, 
And I was really impressed with my uh, my kitchen table and all the kitchen chairs. It actually could navigate through all of that craziness uh, without getting stuck. Yeah, absolutely. And that, that comes from all of that experience we have in people's homes. And so one of the challenges, it's actually pretty easy to make a, a robot that can map. But once you get into the clutter, it becomes really challenging to get not only into those areas under kitchen chairs and so forth, but also out of them in a room and do an effective clean. And Roombas has a whole bunch of different sensors that it relies on to do that. And so that's what you're seeing, the results. People are concerned, uh, what about drop-offs and stairs? Uh, you know, the room had taken a, you know, a dive. Yeah, absolutely. We have, the robot has a lot of sensors, including sensors to detect the edge of a stair. So it's designed so that it will avoid those areas. And you'll see it do that. It'll come up near a stair, um, detect that, and turn away and move on, on, its, on its way. You, you have a line of them. Uh, I've been trying out the 980. I think that's kind of near the, the top end of the, uh, the range. Is that in like the eight or $900 price range? Yes, the, the uh, Roomba 980 is eight ninety nine. Uh, what do, You've got cheaper ones as well. Can you tell our listeners about those ones? Sure. The, the Roomba 960 is um, similar to the 980. It's able to clean an entire level of your home. It um, has uh, a slightly shorter uh, Roomba runtime compared to the 980. And the 980 features the ability, it has carpet boost. So what it does is it's able to detect when it's on a carpet, and it boosts the air power to more effectively clean carpets. So that's one of the differences where the 960 is more um, basic cleaning. And so those are the two robots that are designed to cover an entire level of your home. And then moving down the line, we have Roomba 890, which we just recently launched, and that's a robot that is connected. Our whole line is now connected. And uh, that robot has the cleaning performance of the 960, um, the coverage, it covers slightly smaller areas in your home. So it's designed for a two or three rooms, whereas 960 and 980 are designed for an entire level of your home. And then finally, the Roomba 690 is um, a robot that has um, a, a slightly different, our, our conventional cleaning technology that uses brushes to clean the floor, and it's priced at more at an entry-level price point. Well, what's, what's the... Sorry, say again? 374 U.S. Not bad. Uh, what I liked about the 980 is the uh, the app as well. I love that I could actually schedule uh, the little Roomba there to uh, go out and automatically clean the floor at uh, uh, at certain times. So, uh, you know, at night uh, downstairs, I, I could program this thing to start going at 2 in the morning uh, and, you know, be sleeping while it's actually looking after my uh, on my floor. That definitely. And all of our Roomba line now, you can schedule those robots to run anytime you want from anywhere in the world. So that's one of the big advantages. And then if you get into the Roomba 960 and 980, they also, because they're building a map as they clean, if you can actually see where the robot cleaned at the end of the cleaning job. So you get to see the result there. Um, you also get to see where the dirt is because it will lay down little indicators on the map that show where the dirt was concentrated. So as you move up the line, you get even more functionality. And, and with the, uh, the higher end one, uh, from what I remember, I think it's uh, a two hour battery life on that thing? So the, the robot will run and clean um, for up to two hours, depending on the room conditions, and then it will go back to the home base and uh, recharge and then resume. The 960 runs for um, up to 75 minutes and then returns to the home base and recharges. Let's uh, quickly talk about uh, the other uh, Roomba. I believe it's the Brava Jet. This is a, a little mop-type robot. 
That's right. So we're shifting gears now from vacuuming to mopping. And the BravaJet is a robot that's designed to clean kitchens and bathrooms and um, for daily mopping of, of spills and stains and keeping up after that daily grime. The way the robot works is it has a cleaning pad on it, and it will accept three different kinds of cleaning pads depending on the type of floor. A dry pad for um, hard, hard floors, hardwood floors, and then a damp mop pad for also for hardwood or for other types of hard floors that can handle water. And then finally, a wet mopping pad that uses for, for tile and so forth. The robot's actually able to detect what kind of pad it has on it, and it will apply the right amount of water, either no water or different amounts of water. And what's the price on that, uh, that little guy? The price on that robot is $199. And uh, the, the pads are uh, replaceable? Yes, the, the pads, it's designed so that uh, the pads are disposable at the end of the cleaning job, so you always start with a fresh pad uh, for each cleaning job. Very, very cool. Well, I, I want to thank you so much for joining us today, Ken. Where can people find out more information? People can go to irobot.com and uh, get more information and purchase robots right there. When we come back from the break, it's App of the Week time with Christina. Stay tuned. You are back with Get Connected, Mike Agarbo in studio with Christina Stoyanova. It's App of the Week time. What do you got for us, Christina? I have an iPhone-only app this time, so sorry, Android users. It's called the School of Life. I, I don't even, I can't even imagine what this is about, so <laughs> give me an explanation. Basically, this app connects you to other like-minded people so you can have intellectual conversations about things that maybe you, uh, you know, don't have uh, someone around who you can talk to about. This sounds really snobby. Really, does it? <laughs> Are you telling me you don't like talking to me now and you need to find other people through an app that... <laughs> Are no, smarter than I am? No, the great thing about this app is that it actually um, contains a lot of content as well. So aside from being able to connect with other people, you can also find content on different types of topics. Uh, like one of the videos that I came across was how to deal with a crisis of meaning, which is something that a lot of people experience, uh, but what what is a crisis of meaning well, like what know, is life is all about yes or like what is my purpose everyone runs into those questions in life really? and you so, don't always have people to talk to and so this app is going to help me find out what life is about uh well it will provide you with some videos that uh talk about that topic so maybe you'll find inspiration there but is the idea to hook you up with other people uh yes it is the idea is to hook you up with other people, but there are also uh, videos about different topics that you can enjoy as well. That, so there's a, a an ideas tab and a people tab. I hope you don't have to pay for this. Uh, well, I think it's pretty cool. So <laughs> I don't think it would be too much to ask to pay, you know, a dollar or something for it. But it is, in fact, free. It is free. Yes, it sure is. School of Life? School of Life, and you can connect with people from all over the world who have similar interests. So if you think your friends and family are not quite as smart as you, School of Life. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> that is not what I'm saying. On that note, that's all the time we have left. Visit our website, getconnectedmedia.com. We've got lots of great uh, contests going up there all the time. You can win great tech prizes. This is Mike and Christina logging off. We'll see you again next time.